on Tim McGraw's Instagram about a week ago, he posted a video. And the description under the video started something like this. I made some fun phone calls last week. And you watch the video and it shows three people receiving phone calls from Tim McGraw. He introduces himself to them on the phone and, and then he says, I'm inviting you to come on tour and open shows for me. And the rest of the video is pretty much the reactions of each of the artists as they hear this unbelievable invitation from Tim McGraw. And their faces vary from complete shock to unbelievable joy as they realize this is actually Tim McGraw on the telephone and he's actually inviting them to share a stage with him. The artist Brandon Davis says, Absolutely, man. I cannot tell you what an honor this is. Whereas uh, the TikToker Alexandra Kay says, I've looked up to you since I was a kid. This is a dream come true. Russell Dickerson responds, There is one tour on my bucket list, and that's you, man. Dude, I'm going to make you proud, I promise. And after hearing all of these, McGraw assures them, I know you that you're going to bring a lot to the table. It's a really lovely moment. And then the video cuts to after the phone call and they're screaming and they're jumping around and Brandon's like jumping with his arms pumping and he's like, I'm going on tour with Tim McGraw. The hype of a phone call, even from someone like Tim McGraw, eventually settles down. And the hype leading up to Christmas eventually settles down. And we're waking up this morning on Boxing Day, many of us with a headache or a furry tongue from all the chocolate or the turkey that we ate yesterday. It's a bit of a hangover. And friends, this moment that we're in right now, this post-Christmas and pre-New Year's week of limbo weirdness, well, this is what liminal is. I've been talking about it for weeks now, but now we get to experience it. And it's weird. Nothing makes sense. The wave of, of Christmas highs or even lows because it's, it's really been a weird season in the province as we've had to, you know, you know had to change our plans, right? But this week of, of highs or lows has, has now crested. And now we're sick of the chocolate, of the stuff, of the mess and the paper everywhere. And not only that, but our internal clocks are all messed up because the week is no longer measured by the day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Instead, this week, this week out of the whole year, is measured, that each day is measured by its relative proximity either to Christmas or to New Year's. So everything is muddled. We're confused. Right now, we're in between one state and another. This is liminal living. This is living in the in-between. So if you forget what is meant by liminal living or threshold living, just call to mind the feelings of this moment of this week. Let's hear today's scripture read by Stacy. Our reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 39 and 40 and 52. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. In that passage that Stacy just read, Luke 2, 39-40 and 52, you may have noticed that Stacy did not read verses 41-51. to 51. And these 10 verses that Stacy did not read are pretty much everything that we have in the Bible about Jesus' childhood. 
In, in one gospel, Luke, only one story is recorded from Jesus' childhood, that moment when Jesus' family forget him in Jerusalem, and then they realize on the way home, and then they travel back and find him, and he sat in the temple with the teachers and the leaders. One story. I mean, don't you have questions about Jesus' childhood? Did Jesus have lots of friends? Was he rather popular, or was he withdrawn? Maybe he got sick, we don't know. What was Jesus' apprenticeship like? What was, his, what was Jesus' favorite color? Did young Jesus always know that he was God, or was it a gradual realization that kind of came over him as he grew up? But scripture says virtually nothing about Jesus' childhood, except for this one story, this one, one account. And I think that we need to pay attention to what is not said because Jesus isn't the only one who has these big, uh, these big spaces in his story, these, these big silent times. Saul's an example. He had this miraculous salvation story, then 14 years go by before the Bible picks up his story again. Or what about Samuel? Not a lot is written about Samuel's childhood except for this one story that takes place just like Jesus is in the temple. Then there's a massive gap an unrecorded, uncommented stretch of silence. It's the same with John the Baptist. There's the narratives about his birth, and then in Luke chapter 3, suddenly we encounter John the adult. What happens in between? It's crickets. Or in John's case, locusts. It's silence, the sound of silence. Now, we don't often hear scriptures on what the Bible does not say, but this morning I want us to spend a short moment listening to the sounds of silence in Scripture. When we look at Jesus' years of silence as a child, all that we have to lead us into this, um, into this span of silence are these words. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And then after the years of silence, which is represented by that one story in the temple, uh, we read this. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. There was something going on in between those verses, verse 40 and verse 52. There was something happening in the quiet, something happening in the silence, in the liminal years of Jesus that was slowly preparing him for what was to come. And strangely, virtually the same words are used of Samuel that are used of Jesus's silent years. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature uh, and in favor with the Lord and with people. Virtually the same. And there's a similar theme in John's silent years. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Friends, these words are written in the Bible to both instruct us and to encourage us. To encourage us not to ignore these silent years. These years when it seems like not a lot is going on, if we're honest. That if you were a character in the Bible, then these years, maybe even these years that you're in right now, would be summed up in no more than a sentence. We talk about what we want on our gravestones when we die, but why wait till then? 
Let's start creating our own living epitaphs now. Every choice we make, we are etching out, we are carving out living epitaphs. And they're not on gravestones. No, they're on life stones, living, breathing stones, our hearts, our bodies, our wills. So I wonder, what would your one sentence that sums up these years of silence be? Would it be something like this? She grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. Or maybe it would be, and he, he continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Or maybe it would be, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. Or instead, might yours read, and she started to drift from her love for Jesus. Or maybe, and he gave up on people, and so began his angry, reclusive life. What does your living epitaph say now? If you have a piece of paper in front of you, then why not take a moment and draw your own life stone? It may look like a gravestone, but it's a life stone because you're still alive. And as the teaching continues, simply write out what, your, what you want your living epitaph, your life stone to say. Just a sentence that reflects your spiritual reality now, or maybe it can even reflect what you wish it was. It can be a wish, it can be a hope, it can be a prayer. And if you don't have any paper, that's okay. You can do this later, this exercise later when you have a quiet moment. If you're um, a teen or a child this morning listening to these words, then I want you to know that what you are doing now matters. It matters. No matter how young you are, even though it may not make a headline or a story for a movie, what you are doing now matters. The quiet growth, the things that you choose to do, reading your Bible, praying, learning, growing, working hard at school, investing in friendships, learning skills, learning to share your faith, growing in favor with God and with humans, learning how to, how to interact with those around you, how to be kind. Sure, these are the basics, but the basics are vital. You see, a house needs a foundation, and whatever God is calling you to in the future, you're laying the groundwork now in the years of silence. Jesus learned to honor his parents while he was young in these years of silence. He learned to prioritize time with his heavenly Father in the silent years. John learned to rely on God in the wilderness, in the silent years. Samuel learned to listen and how to uh, hear God's voice in the silent years. Mary was, she, she was a teenager, like many of you. And do you think that maybe she might have learned a lot as the mother of Jesus during her young adult life? Of course, these were her silent years. And so my message to you, if you're a child or a youth, is this. Don't look down on these years. Don't be in too much of a hurry to grow up. Because if you allow him in this moment now that you find yourself, God will form you and create you and equip you for what he's calling you to in the future. Listen to these words with me from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Do not despise 
these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God rejoices to see his work start in your life when you begin to catch the vision for what God wants to do in you and through you. He rejoices to see the work begin. He's not only thinking about what the end product looks like, he takes joy when it starts. Isn't that amazing? You think that the country singers Brandon and Russell started off playing the guitar as a kid thinking, I'm learning this so that Tim McGraw later invites me on tour with him. In that time when they could only play G, C and D. You think that Alexandra Kay started off her TikToks thinking, this will catch Tim McGraw's attention. Of course not, but the work that she put in and as she built a following and as, as, as words spread and uh, at some point someone must have um, shown her, her videos, you know, to the man himself. Maybe they handed him the phone and said, you need to watch this. And he saw it. He saw her TikTok and he was like, I need to have her on tour with me. Right, Brandon and Alexander and Russell, don't call up Tim McGraw saying, Tim, we want you on tour with us. That's not how it works. No, they grow and they mature and they work and they invest so that if and when Tim McGraw calls them, they're ready. And young ones, are you living your life now so that God will see you and he will say, I've got to have that person on my team. And it's not because of your star quality. It's not because of your social media followers. That's not how Jesus, is built, how Jesus builds his team. He's looking instead for servant-heartedness and for generosity and for kindness, for a heart of compassion for the lost and for hard work. He's looking for humility. Like Paul said to his young protege, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. That's for the young ones. That's for the teens and the children. But friends, if you're a parent or a grandparent or you have some role of influence over the, the next generation, then you need to ask yourself, how am I investing into the years of silence of those younger than me? Those years that are unremarkable to human eyes, but which God sees and God treasures. John had his parents. Jesus had Mary and Joseph. Samuel had Eli the priest. And so parents, grandparents, neighbors, aunts and uncles, older brothers and sisters, is your home just a house? Or is it a greenhouse where God is growing future leaders, future servants, future missionaries, future workers? Are your children or grandchildren or neighbor children learning grace from you? Are they learning to pray from you, to learn how to listen to God's voice like Eli taught Samuel? Are they growing in favor with God and humans as they orbit around you? Are they strengthening themselves in their faith because of your influence? Make their silent years count. Or maybe you're an adult yourself and you aren't a parent or a grandparent or a neighbor, you're just an adult 
And uh, you're sat there thinking, man, my silent years should already be over. I should be doing what God has for me already. I should be that. I should have already arrived. Why am I still waiting? Why am I this, in this limbo space? Maybe you're a stay-at-home mum or dad, or you're in the workforce, but it's not the job that you envisioned. Or you're waiting for your promotion for that person to notice what you could bring to the table. Maybe when you were younger, you had visions of grandeur, sharing the gospel to thousands, owning a Fortune 500 company, showing up on the Oprah Winfrey show, winning a Nobel Peace Prize. Who knows what your dream was when you were a kid, and yet here you are, still in your silent years. And maybe you're, you're tempted to quit or to give up. If this is you, then remember that after Paul got saved, he went dark for 14 years. And no one would say that those 14 years were wasted, right? And then look at Zechariah and Anna in the temple who waited their whole lives. Some people would say wasted their whole lives, but who waited their whole lives just so that they could meet the infant Jesus. Was Anna's life wasted after she lost her husband in her youth? Uh, was she um, consigned to being a has-been for the rest of her life? Was Anna choosing to worship God day in, day out, a waste? Living a life of prayer and expectation and faith, was that a waste? Was Moses' 40 years in Midian a waste? Was Jacob's 14 years waiting for Rachel, his wife, a waste? The answer is no. Because God was working in the silence. And, and here's why. Because it's in the silence that we rediscover God. And it's in the silence of rediscovering God that we rediscover ourselves. And this is what liminal living is all about. It's about living intentionally in the tension of the no longer and the not yet. It's about bringing meaning into the in-between. So if you're frustrated with living in the silent years, then listen to these words from Paul. Make it your ambition Make it your, your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your, your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your, your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. In this world of fame and fortune, how many of us actually make it our ambition simply to lead a quiet life. This Advent season, we've been living liminally. Like I said, living intentionally in between the tension or living intentionally in the tension in between the no longer and the not yet. In the in-between. Liminal living is about revealing. It's about responding. It's about repenting. It's about recalibrating. And like we, we heard a couple of days ago, it's about risking. But it's also about rediscovering. Rediscovering the God of the Bible who does his best work many times in the sounds of silence. 
Rediscovering the truth that even though I don't see it, he's working. And rediscovering that these times of silence or quiet growth are not just to prepare you necessarily for future ministry or future opportunities, but these times of silence might be the ministry, they might be the opportunity themselves, that these times of silence might actually be the most important and most precious times of your life. And so as you live in the in-between, start carving out your lifestone, your living epitaph. And like Jesus, may you grow in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and with people. And like Samuel, may you grow in stature and in favor with God and people. And like Paul and Moses and Mary and John, and like so many others in the Bible, may the unremarkable years, the silent years that never get retold, that never get noticed, may they be the most remarkable years of your life. And so in this liminal time between Christmas and New Year, this weird week, let me pray these words over you from Proverbs 3. 3 and may these words be true of you. In fact, may, maybe these are even your living epitaph. Let me pray these words over you. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Would you bind them around your neck? Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight.